Uh, this month of January, we have been going through a sermon series titled, Summoned by God. And I invited us to imagine in our minds that God had several issues that he, he wanted to address with us. And so he called us to a one-on-one -on -one meeting with him. He went into his boardroom, and through the different Sundays, he addressed a different agenda that he has, which makes four agenda items that he has in this one one meeting with him. The first someone was uh, God asking us, who am I to you? And in it, God was asking, if I am father to you, where is the honor due to And if I am your Lord, then can I see submission in your life? Are you truly submitting to me? The names that you give me, the titles that you give me, do they reflect the reality of your life or are you just giving me lip service? Based on that, someone, we say that because he is our father, he'd like to speak to us every single day. And so we did not share a theme or a word for, for the year for Nairobi Chapel Langata. Instead, we said, would you spend time with God every single day and God will reveal to you what he wants you to do for yourself, for your family, and even for us as a congregation. The second Sunday, we tackle the second agenda item uh, that God has with us. And the gist of that someone was that God wants to speak to us directly. We identify that God speaks to us directly through his written word, the Bible. We also mentioned that we need to have several attitudes for us to be able to hear God when we seek him, especially through reading his word. And we said that, number one, we need to have a deep hunger for God, that we need to desire to meet with him. The psalmist says, as the deer panted for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you. As the watchman longs for the morning, so my soul yearns for you. And God was reminding us that you cannot meet with me if you do not have that deep hunger and desire to meet with him. The second attitude that we needed to have was that we need to, uh, we need to believe in our hearts that God longs also to spend time with us. He wants to meet with you. He wants to reveal himself to you. And finally, we said that we need then to put this hunger into action and then pursue God with all of our hearts. We answered the question, so how do we pursue God? How do we put these attitudes and this faith that we have into action? We say that we need to develop a habit to daily interact with the written word of God. And we said five, th uh, six things around it. Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember? And I called Cynthia up and we did a whole thing. You guys remember, we said number one, you hear the word of God. And number two, you read the word of God. And you study the word of God. And you memorize the word of God. And you meditate on the word of God. And then finally, you apply the word of God. The second thing was that we need to have frequent personal time of worship. That before we come here on Sunday to worship God together, that through the week we have spent time to worship the Lord in our private spaces. And finally, we say that we need to have intimate prayer as a central part of our lives. Not occasionally, but always. Not rushed or with any distraction. Now, last week I mentioned that we should not rely on our emotions to determine if God is present. You guys remember? 
for those guys who are not here, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sharing this for your sake, actually. So somebody may say, if my emotions are not the parameter with which I use to determine if God is present, or to determine if God likes my worship, so how do I know that God has accepted my worship? How do I know that he is pleased with this kind of worship I am giving to him? So this is the kind of worship that God loves, one that flows from deep within our hearts, one where we mean every word that we are singing in that song. It's not just about the song and not just about how the music is organized. It's about us meaning every single word we are saying. And when we are lifting hands, it means that it is flowing from deep within our hearts. Lifting hands and uh, when the heart is not part of it is worthless. Kneeling down and your heart is not in it is worthless. Singing the lyrics without your heart being in, in it is worthless. The kind of worship that touches God's heart is one that flows with, from within your heart and that you mean every single word that you are saying. Then we moved on to the third agenda item that God has or had for us in this one-on-one -on -one meeting with him. And he asked us a question, and the question was, am I a means to an end for you? And in it, God was asking us, are you seeking me so that you be with me or you are seeking me so that you are close enough that you can get into my pockets? Imagine you loved somebody so much and you get, got into a relationship with them because you loved them so much and they accepted to come and be with you in a relationship. But the reason was because they will get access to whatever you have. Is it the money you have? Oh, they want to be in a relationship with you because you have the money, or you have the land, or you have whatever it is, you have the connections, or, or, or they'll gain something because they're in a relationship with you. How would you feel if that was their reason of being with you? That someone was meant to remind us that God is heartbroken when we are seeking his hand of blessing and hand of protection instead of seeking his face, instead of just seeking to be with him in his presence. Now, guys, if you haven't listened to any one of these sermons, I encourage us to go to our YouTube page, to go to anchor.fm and search for Nairobi Chapel Langata. You will find all these sermons there. Guys, God has been speaking to us. I think he has an agenda. I know he has an agenda. Go and listen to them, and I know the Lord will minister to you and bless you around those sermons. So today we do the final sermon. We have the final sermon, the final agenda item that God has with us in this one-on-one -on -one meeting with him. And today he is asking us this question. Do you know my love language? God is asking us that. Do you know my love language? You know, I don't know if you guys have ever encountered the five, love, the five love languages that all of us receive love in a different way. There are people who receive love uh, by receiving gifts. If you give them, if you give them gifts, hey, they feel you love them so much. But so, for some others, gifts do nothing to them. And so even though we may be trying to communicate love to this individual, if we use a language that they do not understand, they won't feel loved, even though you are giving your very best. And so today, God is asking us that question. Do you know how I receive love? You may, because I am father to you and because we have a relationship, 
because you know I love you so much and you want to respond to my love to you. Do you know how I perceive love? Do you know my love language? Now, I'm going to invite my wife up. Who is going to help me uh, share something about the two of us? Uh, just around love languages, where I failed before, and all that. But as, as, as she's going to share that, I don't know if you guys caught the theme of the service, even though it was not prepared to be so. There was a theme, there was a flowing theme in the service. Did you guys catch it? Me, what I caught is that God loves us. And we went just right into it, and, and, and I, I just felt God's love. And we had not prepared it to be that way. And for those of you who, who know how our service was planned, we had no theme of love anywhere. <laughs> but just through it, uh, I just felt God reminding us, by the way, you know I love you so much. As we do this last sermon, I feel that God is reminding us, the reason I'm having this conversation with you is because I love you. The reason I want you to have a good relationship with me as your father is because I love you. The reason I want to talk to you one-on-one, -on -one, the reason I want to talk to you directly and not through a third party is because I love you so much. And the reason why I want you to seek my face and not my hand of blessing is because I love you so much. And I'm hearing throughout this someone series and even through today's service that God loves us so much. But so today we answer, how do we respond to that love? Are we communicating to him in a manner that, that, that he understands that we love him? Boy, tell on me, tell on me. <laughs> All right. So, um, thank you. All right. So, um, when I'll, I'll give two examples. So, one of them is like Pastor Kibet mentioned. Uh, sorry, kuna feedback. Uh, one of them is Akitu <laughs> Sameheni. Uh, one of them is an example of my husband trying to show me love in a way that didn't work for me. And the second is a way that, uh, again, him showing me love in a way that works. All right? Aya. So in, in our first year of marriage, okay, before our first year of marriage, um, he bought me a gift on my birthday. Now, me, I'm a very simple person to please, by the way. So at least he, he bought me three items. So the first was a pack of juicy fruit. Oh, that, I, I loved that one. The second <laughs> was a cup written, happy birthday, da, 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 da. So the juicy fruit came inside the cup. Eh? So he liquid two in one. Eh? I love that one. And the third was, how do I describe this? It was a... a what material was it even? It was, it was a sculpture of a hand holding a Bible. Now people, upon Donili Gundua, Kumbe, I'm dating a Christian man. So, <laughs> literally, so that when I looked, I was like, okay, nimenunuliwa sculpture. It's not a bad gift. But for me, it was just like, all right, yani alizunguka Kenya yote, akona this is the thing. Now you see, for my husband, that was the thing. Yani out of all the three gifts he gave me, he was so proud of it. 
and it was the one truthfully ata sijui your sculpture iko wapi So that that for me didn't make sense. You know, okay, he communicated his love by the he did, but eh alikuwa ameuma nje. fast forward to the next year. Now the next year kila mtu tunaambia ngwa to save. Sindio we are all financial things, save, save your mother. So I had started collecting 40 bob coins and I had been collecting 40 bob coins for I think five years by that time. So every time I'd see a 40 bob coin hata kama wache hata kama sina fair it will be heri niombe jirani fair nimsmailie kuliko nipeane 40 bob coin so uh, for that for that year i had seen i had seen him carrying 40 bob coins everywhere then i eh nilikuwa nashangaa i'm like hey, give me give me give me so he'd be carrying 40 bob coins and be there nipe nimeona uko nayo give me i go put it in my collection like that like that come my birthday He took me to some place somewhere with green grass uko mali weddings who happen just imagine such a place so <laughs> so he took me there and uh, we were going to play a game it was a game of monopoly no it was poker it was poker but monopoly was also there so it was poker then i'm thinking okay which he had told me carry your 40 bob coins we'll use them to nini to add on i was like sour so i carried my 40 bob coins tumekuja we are dividing the loot and then i'm counting this loot i'm like wait this is much more than i have what do you mean let's count again counted again there were like 150 extra 40 bob coins my dear husband for my birthday gift had been collecting 40 bob coins for a full year by that time so every time i'd see a 40 bob coin and go give me give me his heart would sink because i would reduce collection yake a gift that one spoke to me that one okay si semi wasichana tunapenda pesa lakini that one spoke to me a 40 bob coin she literally spices up my life if i would have told you that story it would have been dry and and boring and it, it may, may have felt like a class but there's a way she lights up the world right sindio yeah thank you thank you thank you for helping helping me preach I, i usually look for opportunities to have my wife up here so that we can do something together if i'm sharing the word of god now just like i was trying to communicate to my wife love and miserably failed in the first instance but then in the second instance i spoke to her heart in the same way within our professions our in and in our careers we communicate that this career is important to us or it is not important to us we communicate that we value it or it's just that thing that eh ni akushikilia to based on how we handle ourselves within that specific job now As I say that I am reminded of uh, a delegate who had come from Tanzania. Now guys, today I'm not going to do the journalist uh, thingy. I felt terrible last time. So I'm just going to read this instead of of doing the journalist thing. Sawa sawa, forgive me. It's, it's 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 a piece that should be in the media. Um so this guy was a delegate from Tanzania and he had come to Kenya to meet with the then president Uhuru Muigai Kenyatta. 
He had been sent by the former president of Tanzania, the late John Pombe Magufuli. So after he had had this meeting with uh, the, the, the former president of Kenya, in passing, you know the way you, you finish a, a, a meeting and you go to the OBs and you're like, oh, by the way, you have a function tomorrow, you're invited to join that function. So when they finished this meeting, the president Uhuru uh, told him, we have this thing happening tomorrow in Bomas of Kenya. Uh, we are launching the thing we are calling uh, the BBI report. Would you, would you come and be part of us? So the guy, they exchanged pleasantries and he went on his way. Now this was in the night, about 10, 11 p.m. And so at that point he receives a phone call from his president, the late John Pombe Magufuli. And so he, he briefs him on how the conversions went, on how the agenda went and all that. But then at the end of his brief, he mentions, the president invited me, he requested me to join them at the Bombers of Kenya uh, for a meeting that is happening tomorrow. Remember this is 11, uh, 10, 11 p.m. and the meeting is the next day. This is what Magufuli's response was. When your boss makes a request of you, it may sound like a request, but to you, it is a command. So, you have been commanded to go to that function. So, go. That is what his president told him at that point. What hit me around this uh, was that if a job is important to you, at 11 p.m., you are still talking with your boss, and a request that your boss gives is almost as equal to a command. That, that, that spoke to me. And this guy was sharing this story during the BBI launch, uh, the BBI launch day at the Bombers. If you go back to that video, you'll find this guy, a Tanzanian delegate, giving this speech. So he was explaining how he found himself in that uh, meeting. But what stood out for me was that if your job is important, there's a way you'll carry yourself around you, that you will go beyond the call of duty, that you will take your boss's word very seriously. Now, in the same way, like we communicate love to the people we love, and we communicate the importance of something to the people involved in that thing, we also communicate love to God, and we communicate how important he is and how valuable he is in our lives. Now, God gave us this command, Mark chapter 12, verses 30, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Now, when God gave us this command, he was not saying, go and have a deep emotional attraction towards me in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, and in your strength. Go and have emotions about me. He wasn't talking about that. Because I know when we talk about love, ideally what comes to mind is a deep attraction, a, a deep emotional attraction to something or someone. He wasn't either asking us to only verbalize the love we have for him. Now, in our personal time of worship, and when we gather here for the congregational worship, in our personal time of prayer, I know we tell God how much we love him. I know we tell him how valuable he is to us and how much we adore him. But when God commanded us to love him with everything that we have and are, he did not mean just verbalize it. Just tell me you love me. He wasn't looking for lip service. God wanted us to do more than say we love him. He wanted us to put that love into action. 
And therefore, the sermon today, do you know my love language? Now, somebody may be wondering that, stop, stop beating around the bush, just go to the point, tell us what God's love language is, and we move on. So let's go to scripture. John chapter 14, verses 15. I'd like us to read it together. John chapter 14, verses 15. If you have your Bibles, please open. This is, we will, we're going to read so many other scriptures, but I'd like us to read this together. Uh, it's right there on the screen, if we, if we may read it together. If you love me, keep my commands. Let's say that again. If you love me, did he say if you love me, tell me how much you love me? Did he say if you love me, then, then shout out to the whole world to know that you love me? Did he say, what, did he, what, what do we do? Did he say have emotional feelings about me? He said do what? Keep my commands. In other words, obey me. Obedience is God's love language. Obedience is saying, God, I love you and you're important to me and you're valuable to me. Obedience, obedience is saying, I trust you, God, more than I trust myself. I value you more than everything else, including my own life. I prefer being right with you than being comfortable. Obedience shows how much we have yielded to God, how much we have surrendered to God, how much we have submitted to God. It shows how much we have died to self and how much we are living for God. So, if we are not obeying God, God does not know that you love him. Imagine, even if you shout it on the hilltops or, or the rooftops. If you are not obeying him, he looks at you and wonders, hey, why, why, why aren't my children loving me? Because we are not obeying him. Do you guys know this verse in James chapter 2, verse 17, where the brother of Jesus says, faith without action is dead? Have you ever heard of that verse before? Ah, nice. I'd like to borrow that and push it a little bit further based on God's word. That if you say you love God, and at the same time, you are not obeying him. You are a liar. If you say you love God, and at the same time, you are not living in obedience to God, you are a liar. Let me, let me make that a bit worse. The Bible tells us, I, I don't remember the reference, but if somebody knows, please shout it out. It says that the devil is a liar, and he was a liar from the beginning, and he is the father of all liars. Have you ever heard of that scripture before? Yes. Whoever knows, Pastor Steve, you know this, the reference. So that was the many may create. John 844, projection team has preached together. John 844, we read, we read it together. Pastor Steve is a living, breathing encyclopedia. He's hidden the word of God in his heart. When I grow up, I pray. I will be able to know all references whatsoever. Ah, yeah. John 8.44, you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth. Uh, before there is, eh? Because there is no truth in him, when he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of all liars. Let me come back to my point. Eh? 
So if you say you love God and at the same time you're not obeying him, then you are a liar. And I will add that scripture. And your father is who? The scripture said not I. Let's now go to the scriptures and see our people who showed that God was not important to them, that God was not valuable to them, that they did not love God by virtue that they did not obey him. So let's all go to Genesis chapter 11 from verses 1 all the way to verse 8. Genesis 11 from verses 1. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastwards, they found a plain in Shina and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make brick and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar instead of mortar. They then said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing that they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their languages so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. This is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the languages of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Let's end there. For us to understand why this was a whole issue, why them building a, a city and a tower was a problem, and it was disobedience to God, let's read these two verses and it will help us understand that. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 28, the Bible tells us, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, every creature that crawls upon the earth. And through this verse, God gave an instruction to our forefathers, Adam and Eve, and told them to spread over the whole earth, not to dwell in one place, to fill the whole earth, to endeavor to go everywhere. But then, assuming that it wasn't clear enough, God repeated himself a bit later in Genesis chapter 9, verses 11. After the flood, God makes a covenant with Noah and his family, and he repeats the same thing, but then he adds more detail just to make it clear in case human beings didn't get it the first time. This is what it says, Genesis 9.1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, but as, you, uh, but as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Spread out across the earth and multiply upon it. He repeats himself and says, guys, go out. You need to fill the earth. And in case you don't understand how to do that, spread out. Don't remain in one place. And so these guys at Bethel come. And as they are moving eastwards in obedience to God's word, they get to this place and they find that this place is beautiful and this place is nice. And then they realize, ah, we want to build an empire for ourselves. We want that people 
will, will always remember us. We want to build a name for ourselves. And so let us build this city. Number one, because we want to get to God, we do not necessarily have to use God's means to get to God. So we are going to build us a tower to get to God. And number two, we want not to be scattered. We feel we know better than God. We feel that he is not as wise as we are. He is not as important as we are. So we are going to settle here. We are going to build an empire for ourselves. We are going to build a tower for ourselves. God's intention was that we would spread throughout the whole earth. And I believe right now we have spread. So let's start this conversation, or rather let's continue this conversation by highlighting that hearing God, knowing his heart, knowing what he wants to achieve is not enough. We started off by uh, this someone series saying that he's father and he wants to commune with us. And then we went on to say he wants to speak to us directly. Now I'm coming here to say it is not enough to listen to him. It is not enough to know his heart. It is not enough to know his purposes and what he wants to accomplish. It only counts if we do what we know he wants done. That is when it counts. It only counts when you obey. I can't come here and say, oh, you guys, I wish you knew how much I know God's heart. Ah, guys, me, I talk with God like this, as in directly. It doesn't matter if I'm not doing what he wants me to do. It's all a waste of time. Our distinction as the children of God is our submission to God, is our obedience to him. That is what distincts us from every, the rest of creation, from the rest of humanity. James chapter 2 verses 19, again the brother of Jesus says, you believe that God is one good for you. Even the demons believe that. In fact, they know it and they shudder. Verse 20, oh foolish man or oh, woman, I think man here is referring to, it's not gender based. Oh human beings, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is worthless? So if you say you know that Christ, yes, came, he lived on earth, he died on the cross for your sins, you know it so very well. But then you're not submitting to him as Lord. Guys, there's a problem there. Our, our love for God should lead us to submit to God and to obey him and that is what distincts us from the rest of humanity and the rest of creation. You guys think guys don't out there who are and unbelievers don't know God is good? You think they don't know God, Jesus died on the cross? You think they don't know that? You think they, do, they, are, they don't know scriptures? In fact, I think most of them know John 3.16 because we have preached so many times to them. They know, they know God's heart, they know what God wants. But the difference between us and them is that they are not obeying God. They're not submitting to God. We should respond to God's word as the ground responds to rain or snow. But rain, Isaiah 55.10 says, For just as, okay, for those who are taking notes, it's Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11. It says, For just as the rain and snow fall from the heaven, and do not return without watering the earth, making it bud and sprout, and providing seed to sow and food to eat. So my word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, 
and it will prosper where I send it. Guys, when our Lord, when our Father speaks, all of creation responds. He speaks and stones keep silent, as in they keep quiet. God, God, God is here. Prefect, when you were in school and, and the teacher was coming and then, and then it was like, teacher, come. The rest of creation literally watches out for God. What is he saying? Storms keep quiet. They keep silent when God asks them to, ask them to do so. When he spoke to an empty space, he created day and night. And then he spoke again. He, and then he made the sky. And then he made the mountains. And then he made everything just by commanding, just by speaking. All of creation listens to God's voice and they obey. How much more we who are God's children, how much more should we respond to him? Because we love him. Or maybe it is because we don't love him, then uh, we can shove obedience aside. God's instruction should come into our lives and change how we live, change our perspective, change how we do things, change our lives. God's commands are but a real guard to us. If you have ever gone, okay, ask guys, I come from uh, the valley uh, in Elgeo Marakwet County. There's a place you go to and, 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 and uh, okay, there's a place you can be and you are the, at the edge of the cliff and all that is in front of you is but a cliff. Have you ever been to such a place? Good. If you have never been, just drive or take a matter to Limuru, Utaona. So God's commandments, God's instructions are a guardrail at that cliff and saying, my children, because I love you so much, this is how far you can go. If you go any further, you're going to fall in the cliff. So guys, because I love you, I am giving you these instructions. God's instructions and commandments are his way, one of the ways he uses to tell us how much he loves us. The same way, because he understood the cost of sin, because he understood the cost of Adam and Eve disobeying him, he told them, guys, because I love you so much, again, he didn't necessarily verbalize it this way, but this is what he meant. Guys, because I love you so much, please don't eat of that fruit. If you eat it, guys, it's going to be hard for you. I won't benefit it in any way, but you will benefit so because I don't want you guys to have labor pains, because I don't want you guys to buy fuel at 177, because I don't want you guys to struggle to get school fees, because life is going to be hard, don't eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. He was just trying to express his love to us by telling us how far we can go. And we need to respond to that love that God has for us by obeying him. And it is for our own good. He doesn't benefit in any way. It is for our own good. He expects us to respond to his love by loving him back, which is expressed by us obeying him. So let me throw in a question just to help push this agenda. What is God's measure of success? When we, exit, when we exit the earth, what will count at that point? What will be the parameters that God uses to evaluate us? Guys, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm not talking about us 
being made right to be with God and for us getting eternal life, that is only obtained by us having faith in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying uh, now that you have that, because God is, God is going to evaluate us. Remember that, that parable of the talents? You guys remember that? Yeah, he's going to evaluate us even though we will get into heaven. He's going to, we are going to stand before him and he's going to say, how did you live your life on earth? What parameters will he use when he's judging us? Will it be like the Babylonians that we have built an empire for ourselves? Guys, we have built a whole city. We have been very busy. In fact, we have built the tallest tower there is in the whole universe. Will it be that we were so busy here on earth and we accomplished many things. We climbed to the highest point of our career and our profession. We were the authority in that profession. Will that count before God on that day? Will it be that we attended church faithfully and we read the Bible cover to cover and we know scripture so well? Will it be that we served in church and that we gave of our gifts talents and even monetarily to the work of the Lord will that be the measure that he uses to evaluate us guys his measure will be did we do what he asked us to do you may have done a thousand things but he only asked you to do one thing the question will be did you do what I asked you to do did you obey my instructions did you submit yourselves to me, even though you may have accomplished everything else in the world and the rest of us as, as humans will have celebrated you, we will have said hey, look at that person, you are successful you have done it, you have achieved it but before God it is all but vanity, all but empty allow me just to clarify what obedience is and what it is not so let me start with, it's not obedience is not just doing what God said it's not just doing it, but it is doing what God said when he said you do it. Time matters. Doing it how he said you do it, procedure is important to God. Where he said you do it, with whom he said you do it with, and at the pace he said you do it at. It's not just about doing it, but doing it the way he wants it done. I'm very aware that obeying God is not easy. As I say that, I'm asking God, would you also give me the strength to be able to live in obedience to you? Think of Noah. Noah was told by God, I will build this ark. And God gave him specific instructions how he should build the ark. Guys, remember, before Noah, it had never rained before. God tells him, it's going to rain. And this rain is going to be too much. It's going to flood the whole earth. And everything in it is going to die. So, build an ark and get into it, you and your family, and two animals, of, eh, two, the gender, as in, you get the point. Imagine Noah waking up the first day, hey, God has given me a word, I'm going to obey, I'm going to do it. He, he goes, looks for the wood God told him to look for, he starts cutting it, yeah, yeah. first day. And the guys are telling him, okay, so what are you building? I'm building an ark. <laughs> At why are you building an ark? We are very far from the, from the ocean. Maybe, maybe you should go there and build, and build a ship and you can, you can sail. And he's like, no, God has said, it's going to rain. <laughs> and it's going to rain. It has never rained. <laughs> you're building an ark. Hey, okay. Hey, hey, hey. And you're looking for a specific wood. Any kind of wood. 
Guys, the first day, the first week, the first month, the first year, the first decade, and the first silver jubilee, and the first jubilee, and the first hundred years. Guys, it was not easy for Noah to obey God and build that ark. Let me give another example. It was not easy for Abraham, who has been waiting all his life to have a son with his wife Sarah. Finally to be told by God, now that you have a son, show me that you love me more than this son of yours. Offer to him, offer him to me as a sacrifice. How hard it must have been for Abraham to do that and to be willing to do that. Now, obedience to God is messy. It sometimes hurts. It's uncomfortable. It costs. Otherwise, God would not have put it as an obedience issue. If you could do it without him commanding you, ah, by the way, Angesema, but because it costs, he made it an obedience issue. It costs to obey God. But the question we need to ask ourselves as we wrestle with this issue is, are we going to rely on how convenient it is before we obey God? Are we going to rely on our emotions? Do I feel like doing it before I obey God? Does it align with my logic? Then I obey God. That sometimes God tells us to do things, but we say, ah, it doesn't make sense, so I'm not going to do it. They build an ark, it doesn't make sense, I'm not going to do it. Or, I don't feel like just doing it. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. I wish God knew how busy I am. I can't afford the time to make disciples. So God, you remain there with your instructions. Me, I'm going to do me. God does not call us to obey him only when we agree with what he says or only, only when our emotions align or only when our logic agrees with what he said. He calls us to obey him no matter what at all times. Let me explain what disobedience is and what, when you disobey God, what you are actually saying in other words. When you disobey God, you are saying, God, I don't love you. Please remember that. Every time you are disobeying God, just know you're telling God, by the way, I don't love you. The second thing, you're saying that you know better than God, that you would have given better instructions than God, that you are more aware of the circumstances at hand than God. So when he's asking you to make disciples, he's not aware of how busy you are scheduling. So you're more aware than him. You are more knowledgeable than him. When you disobey God, you are saying that, really God, you're not that important to me. You're not that valuable to me. You are not worthy being God. I can do a better job at being God, because I can give people instructions that they can obey. In essence, we are dethroning him. Disobedience to God shuts God up. God will not give you another instruction until you do the last thing he told you. And maybe it is after the first sermon you went back home and said, God, yes, I, you are my father and I want to interact with you. And, and, and the second sermon you had, he wants to talk to you directly. And you started pouring yourself into scripture and doing the six things that we, we talked about. And, and you 
are trying to hear him. You are spending personal time of worship with God. You are spending intimate time of prayer with him in your private space. And you are wondering, God, I can't still hear you. It is possible that God gave you an instruction some time back and you disregarded it. I'd like to ask you to go back and do that thing that God told you. The last thing he told you may have been 10 years or it may, may have been a month ago or a day ago. Go back, do that thing God told you last and then he will tell you the next thing. Disobedience to God separates us from God. So guys, by now I've, I've talked too much. We shall at a point. So let's wind this up. So what do we do out of this sermon? Number one, Completely submit yourself to God. That is what it means to have God as your Lord. Eh? To have Jesus as your Lord. It means submit to him completely. So, what am I saying? Completely submit yourself to God. One. Number two, do what he tells you, when he tells you, how he tells you. Just obey him in that sense. That thing, don't do what he, what he told you not to do. So, in obedience, there are two things. Sometimes he tells you to do, to do something, then you do it. Sometimes he tells you, don't do this thing, and then you don't do it. It's both ways. In essence, what am I asking us to do? I'm asking us to live in obedience to God. Actually, sorry, I am not asking us to do it. I forgot I'm speaking on behalf of God. God forgive me. He's asking us to live in obedience to him. Now, personally, I am very careful. I'm very careful and I'm very fearful to disobey God because it means I am going to do that thing in my wisdom, in disobedience. I'm doing it in my wisdom. I'm doing it in my own strength. I'm doing it alone without God. And there is no better way to do things in vain than to do it without God. You can do so much in this world and the world can celebrate you. You can have the name and you can have the things and you can have the success that everyone craves. But at the same time, it ends up having no significance eternally because you did all what you wanted and nothing that the Lord wanted you to do. Guys, you should have seen me when I was preparing for this sermon. Guys, you should have seen me. I was wrestling and asking God, what do you want to tell your people? What, what do you want them to hear? I don't want to go out there and speak my own things because, yes, it can look as a well-polished sermon. I can, I can, I can, I, I think I do a good job. Sindio, my wife is my number one cheerleader. See, see, I do a good job. Thank you. My wife confirms it's a good job. You guys, I can, I can do a very good job and, and share very good things here. And you guys will clap and say, hey, Pasi, you did a good sermon. But guys, if I tell you what God did not ask me to tell you, it is worthless. It is in vain. And I don't want to just come here, waste your time, waste my time, and waste my energy. I would rather have slept, and you'd rather have slept. That we better find ourselves in the center of what God is doing, and that comes with obedience. Hearing him and obeying what he's saying. We miss out so much when we live in disobedience. We miss out on God's blessings. We miss out on God's guidance. We miss out on his intervention. We miss out on his favor. We miss out on so many things when we walk in disobedience. My prayer for me is that I will always be found in the center of God's will, even if it is not easy, even if no one else understands it like Noah. 
let me just give one last hypothetical example. Assume God called one of our pastors here to leave this congregation and go out somewhere there and, and, and start a new congregation. How do you think this church would respond? The church would say, hey, we have had so many turnovers. Why are our pastors, why are we exchanging pastors? Why are things going on the way they are going? But should, should we be looking at the emotional bit? Should we be looking at what feels comfortable? Or should we be looking at the instruction that God gave, that if God instructs us to do something, that we will say, yes, Lord, we will do it even though it is uncomfortable, even though it is hard, even though we would prefer it to be different. As we conclude, it is possible that somebody has heard me say, if you want to show God that you love him, then obey his commands. And somebody is saying, okay, I am giving myself to obey God from this point on. But it's possible that that person also hasn't yet given their life to the Lord. They have not surrendered their life to the Lord. If you obey God without having him as your personal Lord and Savior, it is counterproductive. This is because obedience does not make you right with God. In sharing this sermon, I didn't say anywhere that, guys, let us obey God that we may be right with him. No. We are made right with God based on our faith in Christ Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord. And now that he has made us righteous, now that he has made us holy, we continue living a holy life. We continue living a righteous life by obeying him. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That no one is perfect. And therefore no one can have a good relationship with God. No one can have a relationship with God who is perfect and who is holy if our sin has not yet been paid for. Now because God loves us so much and he wants to have a relationship with us, he said, I'm going to sort the issue of sin for you. So I'm sending my son to come on earth and die on the cross for your sins. So that if you believe in him, you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and that you invite him from that point on to be your Lord, to be your ruler, to be your master, to be the one that has the final say in your life, that you would be saved. And that after that point on, then you can begin the journey of living in obedience to God. It could be that you are there and you have never made this decision to receive Christ. I'd like to give you an opportunity. You say, I want to have a relationship with God. I desire to be his son or his daughter. And if you have never given your life to the Lord, wherever you are, right here in this sanctuary, just lift up your hand and I will pray with you. If you are here and you'd like to make that decision today, just lift up your hand. All you need to do is believe Christ died on the cross for your sin and ask him to rule your life from now on. Anyone here? I believe there's somebody who is watching us right now or who will watch us in the future and has not made that decision. If that is you, I'd like you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and because of that, I cannot have a relationship with a holy God. I also acknowledge and believe in my heart that Christ came, died on the cross for my sins. Lord, 
thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for paying for my sins. I now confess you to be my Lord and Savior. I invite you to rule my life, to govern my life, because you can do much more with my life than I can do with it. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and lead me in ways of righteousness. Help me to live a life of obedience to you. From today, I am born again. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To the rest of us, I believe you now know God's love language if you didn't know and if you knew he's reminded you. I'd like you just to spend a minute in prayer and respond to that. For me, my prayer is God help me to live in obedience to you. I want to. Sometimes it's hard or rather most of the time it's hard but help me. We just talk to God in response to that someone. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, because you have spoken to us throughout this whole month and you have reminded us of how much you love us. And because you love us, you just want to have a relationship with us. You just want to, be, to spend time with us. You just want us to, to, to be intimate with you. To spend, you want to talk to us on a one-on-one -on -one basis. You want us to seek your face and not your hand. And just because you love us so much. And so, Lord, today, after having told us how much you love us these three Sundays, today you tell us how we can respond to that love and how we can show our love to you. So, Lord, I pray for myself and for this congregation and even everyone who is watching us online, that, Lord, would you help us to submit totally and completely to you, to live a life of obedience even when it is uncomfortable even when it means that like Paul we would be stoned and whipped and shipwrecked and lack and be sick and be beaten by snakes and issues of life would get us or our family will not understand why we are doing this that Lord we will choose to obey you more than please people we will choose to obey you more than please ourselves. Help us to always remember that obeying you is our way of expressing to you how much we love you.
As we go our separate ways, Father, we ask that you would protect us and you would keep us, that you would allow us to be in the center of your will, that, Lord, you would clarify to us what you want us to do, that you would speak to us so audibly that we would know what you want us to do, that you would confirm that which you have instructed us to do, that you would remind some of us what we have forgotten you told us 10 years ago to do, that you would remind us today. Lord, I pray that you would go ahead of us and make every crooked path straight and open double doors in front of us, but only the doors you want to open for us are not the ones we insist you must open. That, Lord, you will give us favor at work, that you will bless the work of our hands, that we will dwell in your presence both now and forevermore. And this we pray in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's please be upstanding for our final blessing. Thank you guys for listening in. Uh, it's been a whole month of, of, of sharing God's word. It's my first time to do a four-month series. I, I, I usually do just two or one, but I, I bless God for the opportunity to do a four-ish. Thank you guys for the feedback you have been giving throughout the Samuel series. Feel free to keep giving more feedback. Uh, may the Lord of all glory, who has given us all we need for life and godliness, strengthen you and give you the desire and the will to live according to his statutes and commands, both now and forevermore. Amen. Let's kindly share in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Go and live an obedient life to Christ.